Good morning, Real Life family and friends. And if you're visiting with us, good morning. I want to welcome you. I'm Tim, pastor at Real Life here in Montrose. And I'm excited to talk with you today just to encourage you through this time that we've been through. It's been a really long journey for all of us as we've come out of a pandemic this last 15 months. And today I wanted to talk with you just about doing like a post-pandemic checkup. You know, when you go to the doctor, uh, you know, you kind of uh, have your annual physical and you just get checked over, right? And you just check on everything and make sure everything's going well and going good. And your doctor asks you some questions and he's just checking in with you just to make sure that you've got healthy life patterns going on. And if there's any issues, if there's any problems that he can give you some help with uh, to help you get healthier. So today I want to do a post-pandemic checkup. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions because here's what I'm hoping is what God put on my heart for you and for me today and this week is to just evaluate and do a inventory of just where we are at. And because there's been a lot of disruption in our lives, uh, there's been some, I think, a lot of unhealthy patterns that some of us have uh, fallen into. There's been some healthy patterns that we had that have been disrupted. And I just want to just go through with you as your pastor to encourage you to go through all of this. And let's just make sure that we don't adopt a new normal that is unhealthy or lacking in any way. So if we picked up some bad habits, if we dropped some good habits, I just want to draw attention to that today so that we can turn a corner and we can build ourselves up and move forward, okay? So let's do that together, all right? All the stress, the uncertainty, the disruption, the fear, the isolation, the loss, and all the confusion over these last 15 months has taken a toll on every single one of us. And we need to just make sure that um, we're dealing with things with reality so that we can get on track with healthy life patterns and come out of some of those survival tactics, right? Or those coping mechanisms that some of us used this last year. So here we go. Question number one is how are your relationships? How are your relationships? I think isolation, and I talked about this not too long ago, Isolation has been one of the, the greatest um, difficulties that we have faced this past year. And to be honest, many of us were forced into isolation because of some of the decisions that were made uh, to, to you know, supposedly protect us and keep us safe, right? And in the midst of that, some of the uh, relationship lack that we experienced actually began to show up in incredibly unhealthy, detrimental ways for people around us. So while we we're trying to stay physically safe from COVID-19, we were becoming mentally unhealthy, socially unhealthy. And so I want to share just a couple of statistics with you and to draw the attention to the fact that we need to get reconnected relationally. You need that. I need that. So here's what God says in Genesis chapter 218 says the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. We were created for fellowship. We were created for relationship, relationship with God, relationship with one another. And without it, we begin 
to become unhealthy. Unhealthy. Science shows us this. But chances are that you have been more isolated than this year than you have ever been in your life. And when we're isolated, we begin to internal, internalize emotions and thoughts. We also, I think I've seen this in a lot of people, resisting, getting involved in things, getting committed to things. We're hesitant because, because there's just a, a too many variables up in the air. I think a lot of people have been watching a lot more TV and Netflix and doing a lot more social media and Facebook and spending a lot more time just in, in all those media uh, avenues. And uh, I think uh, a, lot of, a lot of us have been getting involved in some destructive habits because we just don't know what to do with ourselves, right? So here's some information on some studies that I've been looking at this week. I want to share a couple of stats with you about this, okay? Um, there's a, uh, a study co-authored by Jillian Holt-Lundstad, PhD, a professor of psychology and neuroscience at Brigham Young University. And uh, she's found that the loneliness and social isolation are twice as harmful to physical and mental health as obesity. Another statement that was uh, written here says the lack of social connection heightens health risks as much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day or having alcohol use disorder. Did you hear what I just said? Just being isolated is equal in, unhealth, in unhealthiness for us as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. I mean, that just blows my mind away. Or, or being, uh, you know, uh, an alcoholic. So just being by ourselves is not good for us. That's what people have found. Uh, in a 2019 study, um, and uh, there's like 580,000 adults in this study, found that social isolation increases uh, the, the risk of premature death from every cause for every race. So in other words, if you have any ailment whatsoever, be, when you're isolated, that increases the mortality rate of that condition. It heightens and emphasizes um, the unhealthiness that we already have. Isolation is not, is not good for us at all. Uh, I'll, I'll read this too. She says, um, uh, another study by uh, Nicole Voltora. She has a PhD. She says, lacking encouragement from family or friends, those who are lonely may slide into unhealthy habits. In addition, loneliness has been found to raise levels of stress, impede sleep, and in turn harm the body. Loneliness can also augment depression or anxiety. Now, there was a study released uh, from the CDC back in February of 2021. And in this study, they found that 41% of adults were reporting symptoms of anxiety disorder and or depressive disorder. And that was up from 11% in 2019 in a similar study. So 30% increase of people who were feeling anxiety or depression because of the pandemic. 30%, one-third increase, 41% of all adults. Uh, that's, a, that's a huge number of people feeling this. You mo most likely uh, have felt those things as well. Anxiety, fear, depression, right? And what's interesting about this is the younger people have had the greater percentages uh, of their age group feeling these pressures. 65 and over people, 29% of them have one or the other or both. 
50, the age is 50 to 64, 39%. And it gets higher and higher the younger you are. If you're age 25 to 49, 39% of those in that age group had, have been feeling anxiety and depression disorders. And listen to this. For those who are 18 to 24-year-olds, and these are the people uh, at the lowest risk level, but they have the highest um, experience of anxiety and depression, 56% of those people in that age group. That just is incredible. Uh, I don't think I read the age group of 25 to, uh, to 49. That's 49%. So all the younger people are feeling depression, fear, anxiety. And when you look at that age group, 18 to 24, 24% have increased or, or uh, have been using substance abuse to deal with this, this problem. 25% have considered suicide in the past 30 days. One out of every four. And 75% have at least one adverse mental or health symptom. So they, 75%. Of those who are 18 to 24 during this pandemic, three out of every four of them have had at least one of these things, anxiety disorder, depression disorder, suicidal thoughts, or substance abuse. So this is a real problem. This is a real problem. And uh, so I just want to encourage you uh, with a prescription to isolationism, to relationships. Okay, we need each other. And I want to give you just a couple of real simple benefits of Christian fellowship, of being in relationships with Christians, okay? Number one is support. We need each other. We get help from each other, encouragement, counsel, advice, laughter, friendship, advice. Oh, I said advice, right? And prayer. And we had this support system that God created for us because he knew and he knows we need it. We need each other. So you need the support of the relationships of Christian fellowship in your life. Number two, growth. That's how we learn. We learn best when we're with other people. We learn from each other. We get to talk about life. We get to express our feelings. We get to hear what other people are doing. And it encourages us. It stretches us. It sharpens us. So we're supported and we grow better through Christian fellowship. Number three, accountability. Okay, accountability helps discipline us and strengthen us to grow and be who God's called us to be. It sharpens us. It causes us to persevere. It builds us up and helps us to be positive. This is what Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 11 says. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? So this is a, from the book of wisdom here in Ecclesiastes. And, you know, King Solomon is expressing the, this wisdom. And he's basically saying, you need people in your life. You need friendships. You're better together. We're better together. And when one of us falls, and we all fall, if there's no one there to pick you up, that's a, that's a pitiful situation to be in. That's a very sorry situation to be in. But it's a real, it's a reality that a lot of us have been experiencing. We need each other. The last one I'm just going to give here for number four real quick is giving. 
Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, says the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I believe that we are more blessed to give than to receive. And when we make an impact in people around us, it inspires us. It lifts us up. And so I, I want to give you this statement um, that I, I think is really helpful to keep in mind. When we help others, we help ourselves. When we help others, we're helping ourselves. Because what it does for us when we give and we impact and we reach out, it builds us up. It gives us purpose. It gives us meaning and it gets our eyes off of our problems. And it lifts us off of depression and off of selfishness and all, all the other troubles that we get focused on. So we need each other. We're made for each other. And so the key verse I want to leave with you for this first question about relationships and really focusing on isolationism is 1 Thessalonians 5.11. <clears throat> it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Encourage each other and build each other up. I looked up the definition for encourage and it says to give support, confidence, or hope to someone. And that's what we need to be doing for each other. We need to build each other up, give hope, give inspiration, give confidence, cheer one another on. And, and that's how we make it together, okay? So your prescription for this per particular uh, diagnosis, right? If you've been experiencing isolationism, if you've been experiencing a breaking down of relationships, here's your prescription. Get connected with other people. Just reconnect. Make a decision today. You're going to seek somebody out. You're going to reconnect with people. So come to church. Come to church when you feel like you can do that and you're safe. Come to church. Get in the presence of God. Get in the presence of other believers. Join a life group or a Bible study. Host a meal. Invite someone over. Invite someone to do something with you. Have coffee. Talk with people. Go for a walk. You know, find someone to help and get connected. We need each other. Do not let the pattern of isolationism continue in your life any longer. It's a bad pattern. We need to connect with one another. All right, number two, second question I have for you. How's your attitude? How is your attitude? Now, I'm just going off of just looking at the news, looking at the interaction I have with people. And for the most part, uh, we have a lot of bad attitudes going on right now. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of anger. Uh, there's a lot of offense. There's uh, a lot of short fuses. There's a lot of disagreement. There's a lot of ranting going on. There's a lot of negativity. So let's talk about negativity for a few minutes, okay? Have you noticed yourself complaining more lately than you used to or focusing on negative things or getting easily angered? All right, then let's adjust that attitude today. Let's not let that become the new pattern for our lives because negativity does not work. It always makes things worse. Instead, we want to focus on the positives. We want to operate in grace. We want to choose to be thankful. Choose to be thankful. So getting used to being angry and callous instead of being gracious and caring is a negative pattern. We want to make sure that we reestablish a heart of, of graciousness, a heart that is humble, uh, that's loving 
And that, that's uh, being thankful, okay? These are very important. So I just noticed on the news lately, uh, just this last week, there were some people that were being uh, beat up and jumped in New York City. And there's people walking by while it's happening as if not even noticing it or even caring of what's going on. You know, there's people that are fighting everywhere in fast food restaurants. You see it on the news. All of a sudden, there's a person that's mad about an order, and they jump a counter and start fighting the employees. Or um, at the NBA playoffs in one of the arenas, they're they're, they're having trouble with people just fighting. Uh, You've seen some of these on YouTube about parents at different games of kids just fighting and breaking loose. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, And then we see this phenomenon really in our social media where people are, it's almost like a witch hunt, hunting people down for text messages or things that they've said maybe years and years ago, trying to just uh, find something negative, find something wrong, to throw someone under the bus, to cancel them out. And it's just a vicious world right now that we're living in. But that is not, um, that is not the way of a Christian, is it? Uh, God has called us to such a different experience in life. He's called us not to be conformed to that kind of culture, but to be a transforming agent in this culture, to really be a light or a shining star in the midst of some darkness and chaos and formlessness. Christ wants us to come in with light and love and grace and truth and redeem right? A fallen, broken, damaged world and culture. And we don't do that by focusing on the negative or by jumping into all these issues with rage and anger. We do it with the grace and the love and the truth of God filling our hearts. So here's a couple of scriptures I want to give you today, okay? Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16 says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. So we, though we live in a warped and crooked world, broken world and a generation like that, we don't have to be warped and crooked ourselves. Amen. (laughs) It says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. The word of life. That's who we are. All right. We are God's agent of life. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Choose peace. Colossians 4, 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Isn't that beautiful? That's a lot different than how we see a lot of people talking to each other right now. 2 Timothy 2.1 You then, my son, be strong in the grace of that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Remember, Jesus came full of truth, full of grace. And that's how he always interacted with people. Philemon 1, verse 3, and this particular verse is in several of the epistles, says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is the Christian 
um, way of living, filled with grace, filled with his peace, filled with his love. May the grace and peace and even the love of the Father fill you right now, regardless of what the circumstances are around you and in your life. Finally, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I want to remind you of this great and awesome promise of God. It says, do not be anxious or fearful or worried about anything, right? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we present our requests to God. And then God promises an exchange will take place. We lift our anxiety, our fear, our worries, our pressures to God. And he gives us his peace. It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, doesn't make sense to our mind, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus so that we are filled with his peace. That's a promise of God. If you haven't already done it, memorize that passage so that in those moments of real time in life, when pressures come, fears come, worry comes, you can exchange that worry and anxiety by praying to God, giving him thanks that you are trusting in him. He has the answer and receiving his peace, his peace in that moment. The key verse I want to leave with you is this, and this is the prescription for this diagnosis. If you have a negative attitude, uh, if you've noticed that your attitude has not been great, not positive, you've been looking at the wrong things, your prescription is look for the good. Speak the good. Look for the good. Think about the good. Just change your mind. And it comes from Philippians 4, 8, where it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You are the only one who can set your mind to what you want to think about. So set it like a dial. Just dial it right in to the things that are good and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. And give thanks to God and exchange the fears, exchange the worries, exchange the anger, exchange all that stuff, frustration for the peace of God. And may the grace of God and the peace of God be with you fully, fully in Jesus' name. All right, the third question I have for you. So first of all, how is your relationships? We talked about that. And how is your attitude, right? This one is, how is your soul? How is your soul? We talked about this a little bit last week about grieving. Uh, today, I'm not going to talk about this as much, but I do want to just mention that when we talk about our soul, we're talking about our emotions. We're talking about our hurts and our pains and our feelings and our disappointments, our struggles, right? We have some great promises from Jesus. So my question is, is your soul filled with anger? Is your soul filled with offense? Is your soul filled with sadness or depression? Is your soul filled with fear? This is what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 29. It's one of my favorite passages. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Then he says this, take my yoke upon you, which is his teaching, his way. Follow him and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to me if you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You'll have rest for your souls. That's what we need. Rest for our souls comes from God. God alone comes from him, comes from our communion with him, our fellowship with him, our relationship with him. Okay. 
I love Psalm 23, verses 1 through 4. I think I've mentioned this here recently as well. I'm just going to read it to you because it's such a great, great passage. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Let me say that again. He restores my soul. Goes on to say, He guides me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, Lord, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And, and the psalmist goes on. But my, my main point here is he is the one, our shepherd is the one who restores our soul. If your soul is disturbed, if it's hurt, if it's fearful, you'll, God is the one who restores our soul. Okay? And I just want to talk about that just briefly here before we go to our last point. I want to say this. Pain, hurt, and anger that are in our soul is undigestible. Okay, they're inside of us. Pain is inside of us. Hurts inside of us. Uh, disappointments can be inside of us. Offense can be inside of us. But there's nothing inside of our soul that digests those things. They stay there unless they are treated specifically. Okay, and so God has given us the treatments for hurt and for pain and for offense. So I want to give you those treatments. Again, we're just doing a checkup here. How is your soul? Okay, if your soul is wonderful, if your soul is whole, if your soul is rejoicing in the Lord, praise God, that is awesome. But if you're struggling with hurt or pain or depression or offense or anger, well, then let's not get stuck there. Do not stay there. You cannot assume those things will just pass away with time. They do not unless you intentionally treat them with the prescription that God has given us. So here's your prescription. If your soul is filled with anger, or you are offended, or you have been hurt and experienced pain, here's your prescription, a three-step prescription, okay? Number one, forgive the person who has offended you. This is the means by which God has given us to find healing and freedom, from that pain or that hurt or that offense. You must forgive. You must forgive. So you forgive the offender, not because what they did didn't matter. No, but because God has forgiven us, we are following him and we want to be healed. So we offer forgiveness to the offender. We forgive them. Secondly, we go a step further. We pray for them. Jesus said, pray for your enemies, bless them, do good to them. And what it's doing is it's releasing us from the, the chains of that pain that was done to us. We are forgiving and we are praying for God's blessing upon that person. And thirdly, we're going to look to God to receive his comfort, to receive his healing. And he will. He is the restorer of our soul. Okay. Now, if your soul is depressed, I want to give you a prescription for that. First thing you need to do is reach out to somebody, somebody you trust a Christian friend, a Christian family member, and express to them what you're going through. Okay, we need each other. So your first step is just talk with somebody, reach out to somebody, and express what you're feeling and what you're going through. Secondly, I'm going to give you a crazy challenge, and that is to start to serve somebody else, to give yourself to somebody else. Get your eyes off of yourself 
and begin to serve and have an impact on someone around you. I know it sounds crazy because you want all the help and you need help, but I am telling you, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when you're down, you need purpose. You need positivity. And you get that when you begin to reach out to other people and make a difference in someone else's life. So get someone you can talk to, begin to express your feelings, find a way to begin to serve and make a difference in somebody else's life. And thirdly, you just need to build your faith by attending church, crack open your Bible, begin to pray, worship God, and build your faith in Him. Our God is the one who, again, restores our soul. He can return joy to you. And, uh, and I want to encourage you to turn your attention to Him, to Him and to the, the people that are around you, okay? Finally, if your soul is fearful, here's your prescription. You need to repent. You're like, what, pastor, what what do you mean repent? I mean, change your mind. Fear comes from focusing on the wrong things, the circumstances around you, instead of focusing on God. When we focus on God and his promises and his word, we get something called faith. So the Bible says, faith comes from hearing the word of God, from focusing, meditating on the word of God, the truth of God's word. Fear comes from focusing on the things of this world, the circumstances out of our control and getting all riled up about those things, right? So we need to repent. We need to change our focus, change our mind. Secondly, I want to ask you to reach out to somebody, to pray with you, to cast off the spirit of fear because a lot of times fear is a spirit trying to grip your heart, paralyze you, and, uh, and just torment you. And it's a spiritual warfare issue, almost always, where we need to confront that spirit of fear with Jesus' name and his blood and his word and command that spirit to go. And you need someone to do that with you just to be encouraged, okay? And thirdly, you also need to begin to fill your mind with God's word and God's promises. You need to start meditating and memorizing the promises of God so you get your focus off of the other circumstances of your life and you get them on the eternal, perfect, holy, powerful word of God that will set you free. Amen? All right, so rewind this and watch this again if I went too fast and do those three steps regardless of whatever part of your soul is suffering. God is our answer. He is the one who restores our soul. So let me leave you with 2 Timothy 1.7, a key verse for this, this particular diagnosis, okay? And this is a promise. It says, for, and this is the New King James Version, or the King James Version, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. All right. So if you got fear, you got depression, you got anger, these are not coming from God. God has given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that's the promise of God. So your prescription today for this is pursue the freedom God has for you. Okay. Now let me go to the last one here. Number four, my last question for you today, how is your faith? Because it really all boils down to this. How is your relationship with God? 
How is your faith? Now this year, I know a lot of us are going on vacations and I am super excited about some of the trips that I have planned this summer. I know a lot of people are traveling all the time and here, and we need that. Vacations are great for us. A lot of us missed them last year. You know, they're wonderful memory makers. They're great for us to rest and recuperate. But what I want to emphasize to you is a vacation, as great as it is, is not the greatest need that you have. The greatest need that you and I have is to be connected to God. So even if you're taking vacations this summer and you're doing a lot of traveling and making up time like that with your family, your friends, or yourself, trying to rest and recoup, that's great. But do not take a vacation from God. God is the one who breathes life into us, who we, we need to sustain life in Him. Don't take a vacation from God's Word. Don't take a vacation from God's people. This is our faith. God, His people, the Holy Spirit, his word, we need to dive into him and his word and his people like never before, right? So here's a quick checkup. Just kind of do a little inventory right now as I, as I go through this. Are you weekly attending church in person or online, right? Well, obviously you're, you're, you're attending right now if you're just watching this. So that's awesome. But continue to do that. You need that. Are you daily reading and meditating on the word of God, because we need that truth, right? We need God's word. Are you praying and fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit uh, daily, moment to moment at times? Are you growing in your faith? Are you seeking the kingdom of God first? Are you serving, making an impact? Are you investing in godly relationships? Because all of these things help build our faith, our relationship with God. They enrich us. They build us up. This is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Christ gave these different uh, you know, positions and people for a reason. To equip his people, that's you and me, for works of service, so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, the church is a group that God has assembled for these five or six different things. Listen again. So that we are equipped for works of service, so that we're built up and encouraged, so that we are brought together in unity, so that we grow in our knowledge of Jesus, so that we become mature and lack nothing, and we are in this process right now of attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, which blows me away. And it's a never ending journey for us to get more and more like Jesus, to be more and more filled with the life of God. Right. That that uh, that river of living water that that God has begun to spring forth within us is going to continue to well up into eternity for us. And the best is yet to come for every single one of us. So we're in this process of growing our faith. Together, the church, the body of Christ. So my key verse for you as I wrap this message up is Jude. Since there's no chapters in Jude, just one chapter. It's Jude, verse 20 and 21. Verses 20 and 21. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. 
Your prescription here about your faith is keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself in God's love. You do that best by just developing that walk with God, being with his people, diving into his word, depending on the Holy Spirit, worshiping, praying, and just growing your faith. Keep yourself in God's love. I want to pray for you uh, today before I, I let you go. And I just want to encourage you. I, I believe we've turned the corner. I believe the best is yet to come. I believe God isn't done with us yet. And there's so many great things to be done. And there's so many hurting people around us. And God wants that life to flow out of us to give hope and healing uh, and truth and freedom to all of the people around us that don't have him yet. So God has great things to do in you and through you. And I just want to pray for God's recovery for you, that the old, bad, um, unhealthy habits that maybe have crept in will be cut off and the, the new life-giving, healthy patterns of living will be just renewed in your life. And today, if you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray a prayer with you right now just to get right with him, to receive his forgiveness, to receive his life, and to be born again. I also want to pray for everybody watching just for this, this prayer of encouragement, this prayer of renewing those, those healthy life patterns and breaking off the oath. So let's pray together, okay? If it's in your heart to accept Christ, just pray this in your heart with me. Say, Jesus, thank you that you love me, you came for me, you died for me, so that I could be with you forever. Today, I place my faith in you. I trust in you with my entire life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin and to, and to set me free from all my hurt and to fill me with your Holy Spirit so I have the power to live an abundant life in you the rest of my days. I give myself to you and I pray all this in your name. And God, right now I pray for each one who's watching. Lord, right now that you would just bring a wave of encouragement and strength to move forward, to break out of the doldrums, to break out of any negative habits and to renew life-giving habits, Lord, that, that help build us up and launch us into the plans and purposes that you have for our life. We need you. We love you. And we just ask, Lord, for your blessing to be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I miss you. I love you. And I pray that God will continue to bless you. So let me give you the blessing of the Lord today. And may you have a great day and a great week, okay? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.